time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, January 11th, 2021. Well, what a weekend, guys. I'm sorry I'm getting out a show today a little later than normal. I was busy with football all weekend, and then I uh, had to uh, do a few other things as the the weekend was wrapping up and just didn't get around to uh, recording on Sunday. So we didn't get the early bird special, if you will, for those early risers out there, but we are going to get a show out today. I will say it'll probably be a little shorter. Uh, I do not have my brother Sam on with me today to record and recap the playoffs from the NFL over the weekend. It'll just be me, and it'll probably be a pretty quick show. Uh, but anyway, I did want to get something out today, just so that, uh, just so that uh, we stay consistent with our with our uh, time frame and our uh, format and everything. Uh, I have a few random thoughts before we get to the playoff action, but. Um, Man, again, what a weekend of football. Um, I, I think there was some upsets. There was some shocking scores. Uh, and then we also saw really uh, it start to develop like, okay, who who's a real contender in this in this thing? You know, we're down to eight teams in the NFL after the first super wildcard weekend, as they called it. And I got to tell you, I really enjoyed the three games each day. I think seven is perfect. Only the one seed gets a buy. That should be the reward for having the best overall record. I like the, the three teams, uh, three games in each conference. Uh, I think it's a really good format, and I hope in moving forward uh, that they uh, they continue that. Um, my weekend, as I told you guys on the Friday podcast, if you heard it with Paul Clark, uh, the, the conversation I had with Paul, uh, it it was uh, kind of a rough Saturday start for me because I got you know I, I was told on Thursday that I start working Saturdays now, uh, and that's not horrible. It's just bad timing with the you know the whole Rams playoff game and everything. Uh, and the Rams did win in advance. I'll go into all that, but the Saturday afternoon required me a little bit of uh, how should I say watching the game on my phone while at work, which was not easy. I will say this: I did not slip up on any of my duties, my requirements or anything. I, I was able to work efficiently and I was also able to watch the game. So I was going to record it and come home late and watch it. But I said, you know what? I'm in a good setup here. I was actually uh, offsite at another location, uh, picking up packages and uh, stuff like that. So I put my phone, set it up and just uh, had my earpiece in and away I went. So pretty exciting. Uh, I did almost, uh, you know, spill some packages when, when uh, the Rams had a big interception there, the, the pick six uh, in the game. But again, that was my Saturday working, came home, was happy to see some of the end of the uh, Washington-Tampa Bay game, and just was excited to be off on Sunday with uh, Valerie. And uh, we did some football watching on Sunday after some brunch she cooked up for us Sunday uh, morning. So just a, a pretty good weekend. And I got to tell you, having one day off on the weekend is weird because it's just it's like a, the blink of an eye. It's over. The day's over and, you know, Monday comes really quick. So that's kind of why there was a slight delay on the whole podcast thing. Uh, but a few things, a few random things. You know, oh, I went to the grocery store last week on, I think it was Thursday night. Uh, I just wanted to ha have some food and uh, drinks and things. Just like, okay, if I can get there before 11 after work, uh, I'll just get it done real quick. And that way I don't have to do anything the rest of the weekend. And so I hustled in there. I was like, okay, I got 10 minutes to spare after, after working all day. And you just think everything's going to go smoothly. And then you get in line. And there's like seven people in the entire store. And of course, the people I get behind at the register, uh, the customers that is, they, they just don't have a clue. It's like they've never been at a grocery store before before they start they're taking items from their cart taking it back they're confused it was almost like they were on something or uh, they weren't like mentally challenged or anything it was just like 
they hadn't operated uh, in a grocery store before or something. It was weird. And I could see the, the employee, the employees, you know, work in the register and they just kind of kept staring like with the same hatred uh, that, <laughs> that I had. I was just like, man, of all the, the time and all the time and a place, I mean, after working all day, hustling and just beating the buzzer for the grocery store closing. And I get behind these people. And I know you guys have been behind people like this, who you're just like, uh, if it's not possible to move any slower or to, uh, you know, not, not negotiate prices or anything, but to always be like trying to, uh, well, Hey, was this two for one? What about this? What about that? It's like, dude, just pay, just get your groceries, pay your gro- pay for them and, and get out of the store. So the people uh, behind you can do the same and the people that are working there who want to get off work, they can close up the shop. It was just miserable. I go, this is just a bad start. This is a bad end to my night after I, I thought by going to the grocery store late at night, okay, there'll be nobody there. This will be great. I'll go in, no line. And uh, I was almost right. Apparently there was, uh, you know, of course I ran into that. Uh, so that, that didn't get me in a good mood last week. But anyway, uh, let's see. What were some other things uh, that occurred? Uh, we talked about Tommy Lasorda passing away on Friday with uh, Paul Clark. Uh, man, what, what a legend for the Dodgers organization and, and and for baseball in general. I mean, who can forget when he was the manager of the uh, USA Olympic team uh, that, that won a gold medal. And uh, I did, in fact, look up some videos uh, the one with Kirk Bavakwa, that one's pretty funny. Again, it's uh, <laughs> listener discretion advised. Uh, the, so there was some, so, th- so there was some funny, uh, just quotes and videos I watched at time of the sorter that really kind of lifted my spirits. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so I saw this. You guys, uh, tell me I'm crazy. So the whole vaccine is out, right? You got this vaccine, and it's apparently not being rolled out very quick quickly, which I don't understand. It's like, okay, are you going to use it or not? It, it's really interesting how some states just do not know how to do things properly. And again, I'm in, I don't want to, I'm not in a hurry to take a vaccine or anything. I, I don't take flu shots. I, I don't do that stuff, but some people really want this. And one thing I found uh, interesting, we'll say, was we're in this day and age where we take pictures of everything. And to see people like taking pictures of themselves, taking selfies, like getting the vaccine. I mean, is, is that really necessary? Doesn't that kind of like make the whole situation a little less serious when you're posting selfies about medical procedures? I've seen this in other ways to uh, other, you know, you see people in the hospital, you know, they're going under the knife or something and they want to take a before and after photo or, or whatever. I mean, Hey, but I don't know. I just, it, it sat with me a little weird and mad you're heartless, whatever. I, I just taking selfies of ourselves of, of taking selfies of taking the vaccine. I, I just, it just feels odd to me. But then again, most selfies, most things uh, people decide to take pictures of these, these years, you know, in, in today's world uh, usually don't surprise me. They don't, uh, I don't know. It's just, I saw that and I'm like, really, man, we just, we just can't seem to make, take anything serious, right? It's very, very odd. So that was something I thought about. Um, Another thing over the weekend, you know, I kind of mentioned last week about my whole situation with social media and to see that a lot of these big tech companies have done some strong censorship over the weekend. And I mean, strong censorship, like not just uh, removing people from accounts, but to take an app like uh, Parler, which is an alternative to Twitter, and basically making it so that they can't function. I mean, it's really, really interesting to me, again, what we choose in this world, in this country to be outraged by. We have the selective outrage. We censor only some people. We censor only certain sides of, of uh, you know, sides of the coin. It's inconsistent and I, I it just, it drives me crazy when I see this. And, you know, censorship is a real slippery slope. You, 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 <laughs> you gotta be careful in that regard. Uh, what's your, because you, you could in fact 
uh, stir up a hornet's nest, or you could long-term suffer some financial, um, you know, repercussions for some of these things. So keep an eye on big tech, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all the Amazon, all these, these big, uh, elites, right. That think they're doing the right thing by, by, uh, censoring people, uh, in the, again, in the name of safety of always, it's always in the name of safety. That's, that's how you get, it's just funny that you can, uh, you know, lecture and scold one side, but then, you know, turn a blind eye to some atrocities that are occurring, uh, throughout the world. I mean, I, I don't shoot, I haven't looked it up because I choose not to, but I, I don't know if, uh, you know, terrorist organizations have Twitter accounts or not. I bet you, you could find one or two. Which, which is just insane to me. So anyway, that, that's kind of my, my uh, thoughts on that is, is censorship. And I think you really <laughs> tread lightly there. Whoever you are, no matter what, what side, again, I don't, what side you're on, it doesn't, if you're going to be censor people, uh, you better, I don't know, have some info, have some, something to back it up. You better have, it better be justified. You know what I mean? The First Amendment allegedly is still alive and well in the United States of America. And sometimes people are for it and sometimes they're not, which is weird. They're all about it sometimes and then they're, oh, we can't have that. Anyway, uh, yeah, they shut down Parler, at least for the time being. And I don't know how many of you guys use Parler or whatever, but I, me personally, I'm fed up with Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Instagram is okay, but but it's a... Instagram's part of Facebook, I believe. And I mean, it's gotten so bad on social media. I did pretty good. I did pretty good over the weekend where I stayed off of Facebook, uh, Twitter. I didn't really go into it. I do get some updates from some people that are, that uh, post and stuff, people I follow. But I, I'm getting close, guys. I told you last week, I'm almost done with this whole social media thing. I Do I really need it? I think that's the, that's the thing I got to ask myself. Do I really need this? I, I know that I don't need this need and want is something tricky, right? Like I don't need uh 23 sports channels. I want them. I use them, use most of them. Uh, want and need. I got to tell you a story about my brother, Sam uh, want and need. I'm always the guy in my family. And, but when I say that, I mean, my dad and my, and my brother, the three Hersema men, uh, we're similar in some ways and other ways we couldn't be, uh, you know, more, more different. So we're all big coffee drinkers, three of us. Ah, as I take a hit right there. Um, and Sam has got his own place now. He lives in a kind of a small back house in Orange County. And, you know, my brother is always going to kind of be the one that, to do the least amount of dishes, the least amount of uh, anything, cleanup, preparation. You know, I find myself sometimes being like, oh man, why did I, why, why am I making a big deal about this? Just make something, just make some coffee, just, just get off the cutting board, whatever. So I make coffee, pot of coffee, uh, usually the night before, cause I like walking down and it's ready. I don't like those nine minutes. You got to wait for the coffee to brew. I like it. Timer ready to rock. Uh, my dad, he's more of a, uh, a Keurig guy, one, one cup, instant cup. So he doesn't have to clean a coffee pot, right? He'll, he'll, he'll drink like six or seven of those one cup uh, of coffees, those Keurigs. Uh, at least that's what I remember. And then my brother, Sam, he'll always drink coffee. But what he does, he told me this over the weekend, and I wanted to talk with him about it today, but we didn't get a chance to record, was he told me after work, when he leaves work about 4.30, 5 o'clock, he will go to the break room and he will pour a tall glass, a tall styrofoam cup of coffee. And he'll take it home with him. And then in the morning, he will heat that cup up and that's his coffee for the day. And he was telling me this. I go, you are a savage. That is, I mean, that's some next level. I don't know uh, if that's good or bad or what, but man alive, Sam. Come on, dude. Really? That's what you do? Oh, you you are your father's son. Let me tell you. Uh, have I drank day-old coffee? Yes, I have but it's usually in the co coffee pot of my, that I made. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's a little bit left. I'll, I'll use that tomorrow. I don't do that often because I like a fresh start. That's just me. And yeah, is it a pain to come home every night and clean the coffee pot? 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, torture or anything. But yeah, when my brother told me that, I was I laughed so hard. Oh my goodness. That was uh that was so funny. So I don't, how did I get there? How did I get to the coffee thing? Or just people being different? Uh, I don't remember. Uh anyway, just to kind of sum everything up, I think you know, some people truly don't get mad about things until it's on their front lawn. And I think we saw a lot of that over the summer where there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of, uh, you know, riots and protests as well. But I think, you know, if you live in a certain part of the country where some of the things people are saying or preaching or whatever aren't relevant to you, then you probably don't really care as much. But when something comes to your doorsteps and, and I, and I talk about as an example, like politicians, a lot of politicians with the whole thing that happened on the, in the Capitol last week, they're, they're very, I've already said inconsistent. It's interesting that they're outraged by this, but maybe not some of the other violence that we saw in the country. Now I'll say this on one side of the aisle, literally I've seen some consistency, uh, denouncing within minutes of what we saw at the Capitol. And then, and as well as they did over the summer, but on another side of the aisle, you're seeing people who almost encourage violence in some ways with, with the rioting and things we saw. And then of course, uh, jumping all over what happened last week. So I talked about it last week in a, on a quick Friday podcast it's just amazing the inconsistency of this and how uh, to see some members of Congress, because this came to their front door, this came to their front lawn. Now, all of a sudden it matters. Now, you know, I, I don't care who it is, where it is. If you see violence or uh, if you see violence or just uh, this outrage, this, this craziness, I mean, it should hit you a little bit. What it should you should feel something. You shouldn't just be like, "Oh, that's not my city. I don't know where. It doesn't matter." Now, in America, all our cities are connected to one country, and why some people are outraged by some things and not others, it's just it's baffling to me. Never quite understood it. I'm sure there'll be more of it here moving forward. January, this crazy year of 2021, has already been kicked off to uh, quite a bang, and uh, we'll see what happens here in the near future. I think there'll be more craziness. And more, uh, it's just getting started. Some of this, this uh, again, the censorship, the uh, selective outrage. We'll say, uh, you know, only getting mad when when some things happen to some people and not others. Uh, I don't get it, and, and there'll be plenty to ramble about. I'm sure here in the upcoming uh, episodes, and uh, you know, wherever wherever you find uh, you find yourself throughout the days and the weeks and the years. Anyway, all right, enough of me rambling away about random stuff. Let's take a breather. Let me refill my coffee here, and then we'll get into all of the action from the NFL playoffs over the weekend. Well, the NFL playoffs really delivered this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, uh, three games respectively, uh, pretty good games for the most part. The Saints-Bears game, kind of an ugly blowout, and then the shocker of the weekend, I would say, is is not just that the Browns beat the Steelers, but the manner in which they did. And then, uh, you know, the Steelers kind of climbed back into it a little bit, and you're wondering, man, were the Browns going to blow this? Uh, but uh, I have to start, of course, with my Los Angeles Rams. Uh, going to the Emerald City and taking down the Seattle Seahawks for the second time in uh, three games this year. The Rams uh, started uh, John Wolford, and uh, he he got the go ahead over Jared Goff, who is you know still coming back from his thumb surgery with the broken thumb and everything. And Wolford looked okay to start the game, and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you? I've mean, been very critical about running quarterbacks. I tell you. I, I, it's high risk, high reward. Okay. It's high risk, high reward. I understand, you know, Lamar Jackson busted a long one yesterday, you know, on Sunday too. I, I will get into all that, but Wolford, he's a small guy and I like his scrambling ability. I really do, but they have a designed run for him and he's running up the middle and then he like dives head first. And it's not like he was near the first down marker or something. He gets down, but not really, I don't know the correct way. And he gets hit shoulder to his head kind of jams his neck up a bit and he's injured and he's taken out of the game and Jared Goff comes in and I'm just like, 
you you saw his experience there and the fact that man you got to be really careful right now as far as running like get your body down get down and some people are like, oh, it should have been a flag. Well, you know, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a flag. But bottom line is, let's say it was a flag. It doesn't change the fact that he's injured. Ooh, 15 yards. Big deal. The quarterback's still injured. So anyway, he goes out of the game. Jared Goff comes in. And I think at that point, everyone's just like holding their breath. And I and I kind of said, I said, you know, Jared Goff doesn't have to outplay Russell Wilson. He just has to not make mistakes, not hopefully get sacked too much. And um I don't know. Make sure the handoffs go accordingly. So uh, the one big thing the Rams did well on Saturday afternoon was they ran the football uh, exceptionally well. Cam Akers, the rookie from Florida State, had a great day. Uh, one of the best rookie performances uh, of all time in a Rams uniform in a postseason game. Uh, a really, really good game. Some tough yards. Uh, he definitely has uh, you know, solidified himself as their premier back. Uh, 28 carries, 131 yards. Uh, You know, the Rams really controlled the line of scrimmage, I thought, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side for that matter. Uh, But but the ability to run the football, I think, took some pressure off of Goff. Goff came in and did just enough. It was like 9 of 19, but the magic number was zero, zero turnovers. Was he sacked a few times? Yeah. Did he have some balls batted down? I'm just like, man, you're holding the ball too long. Get rid of it. Yeah, he did. But he did just enough. He had a late touchdown pass to a wide-open Robert Woods to uh, seal the deal in the game. Uh, just a, a big-time throw there. And he made some other pretty good throws, all things considered, with the, the thumb surgery and everything. But the Rams offense able to piece together some points. I think it was three field goals, uh, two touchdowns offensively. Uh, Akers with a big touchdown run. I just thought the offensive line looked uh, physical. They looked... Uh, very elusive. They were getting out in space and that really got the Rams going. But the, the, the story of the game, I really think is the Rams defense. Again, their, their ability to really shut down Seattle was so impressive. Uh, Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's very elusive. He, he knows how to scramble, get out of the pocket, but I'll tell you what, uh, he, he, he was in for, he had it rough on Saturday. They were after him all game long. They just kept taking it to him. Uh, he felt pressure all day. The rushing attack for Seattle was okay. I mean, they ran for a buck 30. Uh, and, and a lot of that was uh, Russell Wilson scrambling 50 of those yards were him scrambling. But outside of that, I mean, uh, the Rams got to Russell Wilson five times. So five sacks for, uh, you know, 32 yards and, and lost yardage there at, at one interception. I mean, the defense came to play that that pick six uh, was absolutely incredible. Uh, the biggest, biggest play of the uh, of the season, I would say, just because it 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 extended the Rams lead at the time. It was just a three point game. And when that play happened. Uh, that really uh, set the tone. Darius Williams, 42-yard interception return. Um, they were trying to get the ball to DK Metcalf, their star, who was kind of begging for the ball on the sideline, which was I found interesting. I didn't like his body language. Uh, you always see frustrated wide receivers, right? Isn't it wide receivers like a diva position when when you see uh, when, when you st- see stuff like that? I just, you know, you, yeah, Tom Brady, he throws tantrums too, blah, blah. But DK Metcalf chucking his helmet, just like, you know, it wasn't what, what kills me with that stuff. When you see wide receivers do it is it's like, you know, it's about them wanting the ball. Give me the ball. Me, me, me. I see when I, when I see some quarterbacks, maybe throw a tantrum. It's more about, I don't know. It's more of a team complaint. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Like, Hey, we're not running the right play or we're not doing this. We're not doing that. But wide receivers, when they do it, it always it never sits well with me. I always seem to think, uh, man, that guy's being kind of selfish. Anyway, they forced the ball to DK Metcalf, trying on a, like a wide receiver quick screen. And Darius Williams, God bless him, jumped the route, uh, acted like he'd seen it before on film, and took it to the house. So the Rams' defense with another touchdown uh, the past few weeks. They had one in Seattle, uh, I think, two weeks ago. They had uh, Arizona, of course. Uh, last week and then uh, in the playoffs just delivering that really got the sideline going and really got uh, 
the team going and, and it really, I don't know, it, it, it almost like Joe Buck and Aikman they, calling the game. They're like, oh, interesting. This is this game is taking a turn now. So the Rams uh, go into halftime with a 20 to 10 lead. I think if if you were telling them they'd, they'd be up 10 points at halftime, uh, they would have taken that. And then to ultimately win the game by 10 points, uh, I think that surprised a lot of people. It really did. The Rams with a 30 to 20 victory. Uh, you can't ask for much more than three touchdowns and three field goals in a game. Pretty, pretty, ba- pretty balanced effort there. Uh, they again j- did just enough, and I'm not sure what they're going to do with the quarterback situation. John Wolford uh, was cleared to play. He had kind of a stinger, and Jared Goff, of course, uh, he is going to still have that struggling uh, thumb situation. Uh, but who do you go with? I don't know. I, I kind of would like to see them go with Goff just because there's some experience there. And uh, the Rams will now go up to Green Bay, to Lambeau Field, where it's supposed to be uh, mighty cold up there, as it always is, in January. It'll be in the teens. So the Rams, uh, the, the one hope I have is that the Rams defensively, uh, I think, are a good matchup for Green Bay. First of all, it's the best offense versus the best defense, right? I don't know if it'll be snowing, but it'll be very cold. All right. A defensive, uh, you know, slugfest running the football type of game, I would think. And I think that the the Rams do those things well. They play good defense and then they run the ball pretty well. Or they have the ability to, we'll see. And the passing game, the problem is you got you gotta keep up with Aaron Rodgers. If you can slow down Rodgers and slow down the game a little bit, then maybe the Rams have a chance. I, I think Green Bay is the better team on paper here. They're the best team in the NFC. They have the better quarterback. Uh, they have a pretty good defense. It's not quite as good as the LA Rams defense. Uh, and the head coach, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur is a Sean McVay disciple. Matt LaFleur worked under McVay for the Rams uh, before going to the Tennessee Titans, their offensive coordinator, and then uh, to be hired as the head coach in Green Bay. So Sean McVay, Knows Matt Lafleur. Matt Lafleur knows Sean McVay. So that's going to be a very intriguing matchup, I think. Uh, all things considered, when you piece it all together, I, I'm very excited about it. What I'm not excited about is that they're playing again on Saturday at 1:30, right as I'm starting work or in the middle of my shift. So I'm going to have to do the phone shuffle again. Uh, I hope I have the same assignment where I can place my phone up on a box and watch the game while while working, while continuing to get my work done. Uh, that's what I hope and pray for. I, I really do. So we'll see. But the Los Angeles Rams advanced to the divisional round with a 30 to 20 victory over division rival, the Seattle Seahawks. And I thought it was interesting. Jared Goff made a comment about uh, Seattle, you know, kind of celebrating with cigars and everything a couple weeks prior when they beat the Rams and won the NFC West. And so, you know, that definitely sunk in and they carried that with them a little bit into this game. And, uh, now the Seahawks, they can smoke all the cigars they want. They're not going to be victor- victory cigars, but they can uh, go and, and play golf and smoke many cigars. So a uh, big win for the LA Rams. Uh, you know, you talk about expectations with your, with your fandom. As far as my, my Rams, uh, there's two, I want them to, to, well, obviously, you know, win a bunch of games, but, I, but if they get to the playoffs and win a playoff game, that's enough for me. Like I'm realistic. I'm like, okay, great season. Now, do I want them to? I want them to win more. I want them to continue to advance here. Maybe shock the world on Saturday, but I'm realistic too. Like some people are like, "Oh, we they should win every game." I'm like, eh, "Okay, there's other good teams out there, and some probably better teams than the LA Rams." But uh, so those are my expectations, at least most years when I root for my LA Rams. So big win for them. Uh, it's nice to be back in the playoffs and to hopefully be making a little run here at least one more week of uh, Rams football to discuss. And uh, I hope uh, they can pull off the big upset next Saturday. Uh, let's see the other games on Saturday, uh, this previous Saturday, uh, the Colts and bills, man, I, I took the Colts in this. I told Paul Clark, I just have a feeling the bills, I don't know. And I was almost, I mean, almost right. What does that mean? Uh, it doesn't mean anything. The Colts, you know, fought tough, hung tough with the bills. I will say Josh Allen looked great. He really did. Um, he he played well uh, in his in his playoff game. Uh, you know he's so I don't know how he gets out of so many of these sacks. Sometimes it seems like he's wrapped up, 
like Russell Wilson kind of, but Josh Allen's this bigger guy who can move a little bit. So you get your hand on him in the pocket and he just takes off. It's so weird. But anyway, I, I don't know if this was the final game we saw for Phillip Rivers. Uh, maybe in a Colts uniform it is, or, or maybe altogether. Um, quite a career for Phillip, and, and he played pretty well. A couple touchdown passes and threw for over 300 yards. I will say this. The Bills did not look invincible in this game. The Bills looked beatable. And everyone's beat. Look at everyone's beatable. It's the playoffs. Every single team out there is beatable. There's teams that should win or probably will win, but you got to play the game. And the, and the Colts, they hung in there. I think maybe the Colts are a year away. I'm really curious to see what they do with their quarterback situation. If they continue maybe another year with a guy like Phillip Rivers or maybe make a trade, go after someone younger, and build around a young quarterback. I think if they did, all the other pieces seem to be in place. It's a well-run franchise. They got a great coach. They seem to play a lot more uh, defense than Colts teams have in the past. The running game is there. I mean, really long, your plans long-term at quarterback are the, the big issue for the Colts. So they got some things to think about here in the off season. Meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills advanced first playoff win uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Let's see here. I think I wrote it down. This is 1995, 24 years, apparently 24 years. Is that right? That doesn't seem right. 95, 05, 15, whatever it is, whatever the number is, almost a quarter century since <laughs> the Bills last playoff victory. Really cool to see from the, uh, the Bills fans that were there, the, uh, the Bills mafia, as they call it, uh, a few thousand fans that were in attendance. And, uh, you know, there was some partying going on. Uh, Sunday afternoon in uh, in upstate New York uh, with that big win. So the Buffalo Bills advance, and they will be hosting next Saturday night the one and only Baltimore Ravens who were able to beat the Indianapolis, excuse me, not the Indianapolis Colts. They lost the Bills. The Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans, the other uh, team from the AFC South. The Titans-Ravens game was pretty good. It was back and forth. I thought it was – it was uh, – you know, up in the air really for three quarters. And then as you hit the fourth quarter, you just kind of felt it was the Ravens game. And, and Lamar Jackson did what Lamar Jackson does. Uh, the, the big play that stands out obviously was that 48 yard touchdown run he had where it looked like the pocket was starting to collapse. And then there was no hesitation from him. He, he took off, he took off running and uh, really outran some uh, safeties there uh, headed for the pylon. Lamar Jackson rushes for 136 yards on 16 carries uh, with the uh, the one touchdown there on the 48-yard or so. Uh, you guys know where I stand on the whole running quarterback thing. I, I don't think it's a great long-term thing. But, man, when you get explosive plays like that, it's hard to argue it, right? I mean, you can't just say, oh, just run for 10 yards and slide, Lamar. I mean, he got in the open field, and he wasn't touched. If you're not touched, that's my thing. If, if there's not going to be any contact, I think it's great, but when quarterbacks take a lot of hits, that's what concerns me. Anyway, Lamar bursts to speed up the sideline, dives for the pylon. Uh, when that play happened, you're kind of like, man, okay, the Titans had them. They had them stop. They pushed them their backs up against the wall, and then Lamar pulled that, uh, you know, that 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 genie out of the lamp, if you will, or whatever <laughs> the phrase is. Quite an impressive play. Uh, passing wise, I mean, he he almost ran for as many yards as he passed. Uh, you know, but he didn't make any mistake. Well, made the one interception, I should say. But it was the Baltimore defense and former Ram Marcus Peters with the big interception late to seal the deal, to seal the game, the fate of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, bad interception there from Ryan Tannehill. And you got to hand it to the Baltimore defense. Why? They held Superman. They held Derrick Henry to 40 yards. 40 yards on 18 carries, just like two yards. Of I mean, what they were able to do to Derrick Henry was truly remarkable. And I mean, that just speaks volumes about a team that can shut down the best back in the NFL like that. A, a guy who's rushed for over 2000 yards and the schemes that the Ravens threw at the Titans defensively really had the Titans uh, not sure who to block or where to block. I mean, hats off to the Baltimore defense. Lamar's going to get all of the headlines, right? And rightfully so. He had a great game. But the Baltimore defense really stepped up here. And watch out. 
you know, any, any teams with that Baltimore Raven culture, right? That, that defensive, uh, I don't know, nastiness to They get a little momentum. They get a little momentum here. Watch out. Especially when you got someone like Lamar on the other side of the football, who is, uh, just man when they get going it's scary uh something i did not like from this game and and i know there's more to it okay there's always more to it right um i thought it was a really bad look for lamar jackson especially and the ravens and and as soon as the game ended you uh, you know lamar was kind of waved the team up the tunnel like hey let's go let's go let's get off the field uh not shaking hands and i know there's some bad blood there the titans and the ravens and and stomping on each other's logos and, and stuff like that uh, but I thought it was a really bad look from Lamar as like a leader. Now, some people would say, well, he's a leader and he was leading the guys and saying, Hey, we're not taking this from him. Let's go. Let's go. We're, we're advancing. Let's get out of here. And then it was funny. He had to come out of the tunnel to, to do the interview, um, with the uh, sideline reporter or the front row of the stands reporter, whatever they call them these days. Uh, but <laughs> I, I didn't like it. And Marcus Peters was a former Ram, and, and he's always been a smack talker. And that's not to say that guys like Jalen Ramsey don't run their mouth and this and that. All right, but I've said this before about fighting and boxing and MMA. Like, talk all the, talk all the smack you want. Ooh, laundry alarm. Talk all the smack you want. But, man, at the end of the game, come on, man. Like, we both fought hard. We outdid you. Like, there's got to be a respect there. Now, now, again, back to Tom Brady, right? He's caught some grief for not shaking hands before. Usually after Super Bowl losses or, or Nick Foles, a couple of times he's gotten him. He, or, you know, not Nick Foles not shaking hands, but Tom Brady not shaking Nick Foles' hand. And I don't think that's right either. I don't think Tom Brady gets a pass by any means. But, but, but when you're Tom Brady, you're the greatest of all time. And eh, it's not a good look on him. But if he doesn't do it, okay, he didn't do it. I think he's built up enough credibility as a, the greatest ever to have a slip up or two. But until you're Tom Brady or somewhere in that category, I just don't think it's a good look. So uh, the Ravens, you know, stomping on the logo. And I know the Titans, hey, you know, they, they did it first, right? They did it to us first. You know, that that typical stuff. And then just to, to run off the field and not shake hands, I, not a good look. Not a good look to me. Uh, but anyway. It is what it is. I wasn't in the football game. I didn't hear all the words that were said and the, the trash that was talked and the, the late hits and, and all this and that. So I know there's a lot more that goes into a football game than just, hey, guys, we, we both played hard. Let's okay. Let's be best friends now. I know that's not the case. It gets pretty fierce out there. And you could see that after the game with the Baltimore players kind of shouting across the way at, uh, at uh, you know Tennessee and everything. But back to Marcus Peters. You know, it's so funny how some actions – always seem to follow certain players, right? Certain situations always follow certain individuals. Marcus Peters has been, he was, he was kind of a troublemaker in Kansas city. He was a troublemaker in LA and I don't know if he's a troublemaker, but he's always, uh, he's always talking and shouting and, and maybe that's just his game. I don't know. If you're going to talk, if you're going to talk, you got to be able to back it up. And uh, he did. He definitely did that on uh, Sunday alongside his teammates. So congrats to the Baltimore Ravens. They looked really good. I think they got to get a little bit more, uh, what, what shall I say, consistent on offense. Um, what if Lamar doesn't break, you know, one or two big runs in in the game? What if they aren't able to do that? Then I think you, maybe you're looking at a closer football game than you saw on Sunday. And I, and I just don't know what happened to the Titans. I mean, I, I love Mike Vrabel. I think he brings a certain intensity as a head coach. But they just look bad offensively, so inconsistent. And uh, they, they got some soul searching to do for next year uh, because they got a small window here where they have the best back in the NFL where, the, you know, they have the ability to make a run if they uh, put the right pieces of the puzzle uh, in order. So we'll see what happens to them in the offseason as well. Uh, so that sets up a big matchup next Saturday night, Baltimore at Buffalo, uh, two third-year quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that are probably best when they're moving around a little bit. In scramble mode, uh, you got the lightning fast uh, Lamar Jackson. You got kind of the bigger, tougher uh, Josh Allen for the Bills. Talk about a great matchup of just quarterbacks and personalities. Uh, and again, I think it's going to come down to the two defenses of those teams and what they can do. Can they limit Lamar? Can they limit Josh Allen? There'll be other uh, other sides of the coin here 
with the you know the running game coming from the running backs and this and that. But defensively, what are you going to do to slow down Josh Allen? What are you going to do to slow down um, Lamar Jackson? Could we see a pretty high scoring game here? Possibly. It is a night game in Buffalo, so who knows what we'll see weather-wise. But that is our Saturday night matchup after the Rams and the Packers play the uh, afternoon uh, matchup on Saturday to get us going for only four games next week. What What is this? Only four games after we had six this weekend, along, as, as well as the national championship game tonight in college football. I mean, kind of kind of a you know let down but 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 again we're gonna watch we're gonna watch and we're gonna take advantage of these remaining football games every snap we can uh so anyway baltimore big win uh let's see here we talked a lot about tom brady on the show already but we haven't talked about his game on saturday evening the washington uh, redskins lose to the tampa bay buccaneers at home uh tampa goes into washington dc or uh, maryland i guess it is officially where the stadium is uh but anyway they uh, they kind of controlled the game the whole time. Uh, it was he, Brady really got into rhythm. I mean he he looked good. He looked like playoff Tom, didn't he? Uh, Three hundred and eighty-one yards, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, the rushing game was there for the uh, the Buccaneers, and you know you forget about you you almost forget that that they had Leonard Fournette. I I knew they had uh, you know as far as the rushing attack went, they had uh, Ronald Jones, and I think he's banged up so he's not playing or something, but. You know, Leonard Fournette is is one heck of a back. And you get him running the football a little bit uh, alongside of Tom Brady. Uh, I think they complement each other really well. So uh, Mike Evans had a big game. Gronk, of course, with some with some nice catches. The the, the I almost did that the Patriots. The uh, Buccaneers looked pretty good. That was probably the best offensive output I've seen from them this year as far as uh, overall play. Uh they 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 looked really good. And, uh, you know, at Washington, uh, first of all, the, uh, the guy who played quarterback for them, uh, Heineke, Taylor Heineke, he, uh, God bless him. He, he, he did everything he could. He, uh, tried to put his best foot forward and in his NFL playoff debut and he did okay. I think some people might take a look at this guy, you know, for a potential, uh, backup somewhere else, or, or maybe a starter who knows, uh, I think he got an opportunity to shine, and, and he did okay. He hung in there. He kept the game close, which is kind of what I thought would happen. Um, I, speaking of handshakes, I really liked seeing uh, Chase Young of Washington uh, shake hands with Tom Brady after the game because Chase Young had talked some trash, we'll say, about looking forward to playing Tom Brady and, and wanted to to get Tom and this and that. Not really in any kind of uh, – in any kind of, uh, I don't know, put down or any kind of uh, negative. Well, I guess it's, you're talking trash, whatever, but uh, he's a rookie out of Ohio state has, has had himself one heck of a year. And I thought he looked like a true professional kind of going up to Brady after the game and just like everything about him, the way he carried himself. I I was impressed. I've been impressed with his play and I was impressed with how he carried himself. He's going to be an unbelievable talent here moving forward. It has a a great, uh, a great, atmosphere around him. He's got a great defensive coach. Uh, I could see him maybe not quite being an Aaron Donald, but so, something up there. He's going to be someone that is a force to be reckoned with uh, defensively uh, because he he's just nasty. But again, I was impressed with this professionalism uh, in talking to Tom Brady after the game. Like, hey, man, it's, I, you, you couldn't hear what they were saying, but it almost was like, hey, man, you got us. Good game. Like, hey, that was that was fun. Like, it was a pleasure to play you type of – that's what it looked like. And I don't know if what was said or not, but that's, again, perception is reality sometimes. Anyway, uh, so that was, uh, you know, Washington, good story for the year with Ron Rivera and Alex Smith, Smith and everything. But I think everybody knew that whoever came out of the NFC East wasn't really going to be much of a uh, contender. They hung in there, lost by eight points to the Bucs. Uh, but Tampa Bay now advances to play their uh, division rival, who has beaten them twice already. They advanced to play the New Orleans Saints next week uh, in the other game of the NFC divisional round. That's an intriguing matchup. If you remember, it was the Buccaneers who opened their season at New Orleans week one, right? We First time we saw Brady in a Bucks uniform going up against Breeze. I mean, we get Brady and Breeze in the NFL playoffs. Two 40, you know, 40-year-olds or whatever they are, 
that's going to be a fun game to watch. And, and I, I definitely understand that's why they made that kind of the late game on Sunday for Fox. Uh, big time stuff there. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I don't know. Can you, can you beat a team three times in a row? Can you beat a team three times in one season? I don't know. I, the Saints have beaten the Bucks handily two times this season. And I uh, I think the Bucks are starting to roll. The The Saints really didn't have much of a, of a competition against the, the Bears on their game on Sunday. There's not really much to say about that game. We all kind of knew the Saints would beat up, beat up the Bears. Um, but, man... I mean, it was 21, it was 21, three, and then they made it 21, nine. I mean, the bears are just, they just have nothing offensively, nothing. And, uh, the breeze did, did drew breeze things. And, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara did his thing. And then the, the saints kind of just quietly, well, 21, nine, like, I don't know, not much to say about that win just cause the bears kind of were a bad team, but, uh, the saints Buccaneers matchup. I think definitely the game of the week next week. Although it's hard to say. We have four games. I mean, think about it. Bills Ravens. Ooh. 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 You know? Get the juices going. You got you got Brady versus Breeze and the Saints Bucks. I mean, that's kind of that's a juicy one too. And then, you know, my Rams going to Lambeau. Yeah. Packers will probably win that game. But hey, the LA team going out to the frozen tundra. I mean, there's some storylines there with taking a taking a Midwest type of defense with them, you know. Uh, from from LA, I don't know. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. And then uh, anyway, the final the final game, uh, which we have not talked about. That uh, <laughs> I don't know who saw this coming. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> the, the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, really took it to the Steelers on Sunday night. I mean, you blinked and it was twenty eight nothing. Not only was it twenty eight nothing. It was 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Not half. Not three quarters. First quarter, 28 nothing. And, you know, there was a lot of storylines. Uh, the pressure's on Baker Mayfield. Can he win a playoff game? And, and the entire Browns team, they don't have their coach because he's out for with COVID. And it's the big, bad Steelers who have been the, the team that's pushed everyone around for, for years in that division. And they came out of the gates and just took it to the Steelers on both sides of the ball. They ran the football. Uh, uh, Mayfield looked sharp. Uh, the first touchdown to Landry. The defense with a couple of interceptions early. Big Ben ultimately throws four interceptions in the game. I mean, the the Browns just absolutely took it to the Steelers. They took all the bulletin board material, the the, the Juju Smith-Schuster saying how it's the same old Browns and, and all the media and everyone saying – Oh, the Browns, they're not for real. They can't beat the Steelers. They took all of that, all of that into the game. And you could see they were fueled. They were on a mission from the opening kickoff. Very impressive win from the Browns. Baker Mayfield, you know I'm critical of him, but I salute him, him and the Browns. What a win for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday night. I mean, did anybody really see the Browns dominating in that in that fashion? Did anybody really could could any of you out there said, honestly, you know what? The Browns are going to come out the gate and just take it to the Steelers. And they're going to dominate. They're going to score almost 50 points. And they're just the far superior team. Did, could anybody have honestly said that? I know I didn't. I thought the exact opposite. Now, here's one thing about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh started 11-0. And everyone said, you know what? This team's undefeated, but... I don't like how they're playing. It's kind of very Big Ben dependent, right? And I didn't bite so much into that because I'm like, man, they just they keep winning. I don't know what else to say. Winning is winning. Well, the very end of the season, this this month of December, and then obviously January, I think you really were able to uh, see who the Pittsburgh Steelers truly were. I mean, Big Ben... They didn't have a running game all year. It was big band, go back go back there and throw it 60 plus times. And we'll, we'll hopefully be able to tackle someone uh, here and there on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I feel bad for Ben. He didn't play last year. Big injury. He's been in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, his whole career. 
Uh, he's beloved there. He's a very Pittsburgh city type of guy, type of quarterback, right? Uh, and you look at his stats. Yeah, I threw for 500 yards last night. But that the guy's come, trying to come back from a big deficit. You're going to throw the ball uh, 68 times on almost 70 attempts there. It's pretty crazy. Um, four touchdowns, but you know what? Four interceptions. And anytime you hand the ball to the other team four times, we've talked about that before on the show, that's, that's four free possessions. And generally, after a turnover, the team gets pretty good field position. So most turnovers lead to points, whether it be three or six or seven, they lead to points. And what you saw last night was Cleveland get the ball, go right up the field. Um, the, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. Let me backtrack. First play of the game, the, the snap over Ben's head. I mean, there's never a good time for that. But the first play of the game, that told me there were some nerves. That told me some people weren't ready to play. Maybe weren't being – I don't know. I, You hate to, to kill a guy for a bad snap, but, you know. But, but that was just like, oh, boy, this could be an interesting night. So you go from – you go from that to an interception and then the Browns, you know, right up the field, short field score. Uh, Pittsburgh comes out again, uh, punt, uh, and Cleveland again, boom, up the field. And it was just, it was like people talked about Kevin Stefanski was going to have to script this game for his team, right? The first few plays or whatever. And, and a lot of coaches will do that. They'll put together a, a script of plays so that you kind of get in a little rhythm, but he could not have scripted this any better. You could not have told the Browns, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to punch the, the Steelers in the throat and uh, just right out of the gate. And while I am reading this, while I'm doing this, I just received news on my phone that the Philadelphia Eagles have fired head coach Doug Peterson after three three years after winning a Super Bowl. So uh, it is a what have you done for me lately type of business. Um that is very surprising. Uh, the fact that they waited a week to do this after the playoffs, there must have been more to it. And we kind of knew that with the whole benching, Jalen Hurts and this and that. There, there that's I got to read more up on this story, but breaking news. Uh, Super Bowl title in 2017 and fired in January of 2021. So uh, Doug Peterson is on the market. And my thing is, who, who do the Eagles go get? What coach is out there that is going to manage that situation in Philly uh, the way it should be? Get them back. I mean, come on. The NFC East is up up for grabs. It's up in the air. Who 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 wants to be the dominant team in this division? Brutal. I think the Eagles have underachieved the past few years. That goes without saying. Anyway, uh, breaking news there uh, that uh, occurred just now. But back to the Browns. I mean, I've been critical of Baker Mayfield since the day he was drafted. I didn't like his personality in college. I didn't like his uh, run-in with the law in college. I know that's in the past. I, you know, I, I've never bought into him. He just seems almost, I don't know, fake with his uh, commentary and this and that. But I'll, I'm going to give him this credit. Baker Mayfield, to me, has grown immensely. The maturity, to me, has gone through the roof with him. I think he he is a... I've questioned him before and it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say he's the greatest quarterback of all time or anything. All right. But I, I have seen some real maturity from him and his leadership, I think is definitely of value and he can play a little bit of football too. Do I want to see him struggle? Yeah, I still do. I do. I do want to, I like when he, he gets sacked and fumbled. That's just me, but it's not anything specific on Baker. There's plenty of players in the NFL. I like, to see struggle and fail. That's just, you know, but congrats to Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. This was not just him winning the game. That that was a team effort. They ran the ball. They threw the ball. Uh, the one thing I'll say, uh, you know, it, it's 35 to 10 at halftime. Right. And Browns fans are like, this is awesome. They're probably running the, this is the city of Cleveland out of beer at that point. And then you see it kind of the score getting a little closer, a little, it got to 35, 23, I believe. And you knew at that point that 
<laughs> Browns fans had to be sweating a little bit. Like, oh, no. <laughs> We've read this book before. Uh, so at the end of the third quarter, it was 35 to, uh, let's see here, 35 to uh, 23. And you're thinking, oh, boy. And had the Browns stopped scoring, or either they would have lost the game because Pittsburgh obviously put up 37. Uh, they, you know, it's a good thing Cleveland kept kept rolling along there because the Steelers were going to keep coming. And I think I think most Browns fans out there had to be, if they were honest, they're saying, yeah, they were sweating. And I looked at my TV. I said, if Cleveland blows this lead, this would be the most Cleveland thing of all time. But anyway, uh, they did not. They uh, they won the game, put up almost fifty points, and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers soundly. Beat them by double digits, which in the playoffs is a big deal. You go, oh, it's just a, it's two possessions. It's a touchdown and a you know field goal, two point conversion. You know, no, that was a dominant performance. Those eleven points are a lot bigger than it appeared. Than it appears on paper, a lot bigger. I mean, you could not have told me on Friday afternoon, Cleveland is going to score almost 50 points and win the game by double digits. I wouldn't have believed you. I would have placed that bet. I would have uh, whatever you wanted to wager. I would have said, absolutely. I will take that in a heartbeat. Uh, Cleveland Browns, again, a a huge win for them. First time in 20-something years to win a playoff game. And think of this, the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns both win a playoff game in advance in 2021. Two really passionate fan bases that have seen some very bad football the past 20-something years. Very bad football. And so for them to be able to celebrate victories of their you know of their beloved teams, I, I think it's great. It's great for Buffalo. It's great for Cleveland. Uh, I, I think of my good my good friend Luther Wilson out there, who's a from Cleveland and a huge uh, Browns fan. Uh, he's got to be ecstatic. Uh, I know a friend of mine, uh, uh, Jacob Hauser, his twin brother Zach is a, a huge uh, Buffalo Bills fan, so he's got to be loving life. And uh, I hope I hope the Hauser boys get to see a uh, an AFC Championship matchup uh, between Jacob's Chiefs and Zach's uh, Buffalo Bills. I think that would be really cool for their family. And I, I love anytime you see something like that, right? A house divided or um, friends or family kind of having teams rooting against each other. It's a lot of fun. I happen to have a few Packer friends, Packer fan friends, we'll say, uh, who it'll be fun to play the, those guys. My Rams going to, to Lambeau and playing, and well, there'll definitely be some text uh, messages exchanged, although I will turn off my notifications once more, like I did this previous uh, Saturday, just because if I'm watching a game, I don't want comments popping up here and there as the, the, the game's going on. I just want to watch, and you know, I'll text people afterwards. So anyway, uh, I still can't believe it. Cleveland Browns, hang on, let me prepare myself here. Let me take a uh, shot of coffee here. Oh, yeah, okay. The Cleveland Browns have won an NFL playoff game. That, that, wow. You you thought we saw it all in 2020? Well, I'll tell you what, we're seeing some some more craziness in 2021 right off the bat. And, and, you know, you want to say this about Big Ben. Where, Where do the Steelers go from here? Uh, Ben Roethlisberger been a franchise quarterback. He's been the heart and soul of that franchise forever. I know he's getting up there in age. He's beaten up a little bit. Is it time for the Steelers to uh, look for another quarterback? Maybe not to replace him immediately, but is it time for them to maybe bring in a guy to start preparing for Big Ben's departure? Is it time for that? I I have great faith in head coach Mike Tomlin. I think he's an incredible coach. I thought the Steelers looked sloppy, to say the least, in their uh, you know, being ready for their game Sunday night. And I'm sure he'll he'll take all the responsibility for that. But where do the Steelers go from here? One of the proudest franchises in the NFL. Great coach, uh, great quarterback who's really near the end of his career. He could retire. You never know. There's a lot of things that could happen here. I think the Steeler organization needs to really look inward and and look to the future because if things kind of just fall apart very very weird you know like big ben just departs and there's no there's no one in the cupboard there's no there's no backup plan there's no uh there's no identity in moving forward 
I don't, I, I hate to see, say that Pittsburgh could really take a few steps back, but they could. They could. They're one of the proudest. We've seen, think about it. We've seen proud franchises like the, the, uh, the Broncos. We've seen the Cowboys, the 49ers. These very proud franchises really have a few hiccups over the years and go backwards to this kind of irrelevant uh, franchise, even though historically they're not. They're the blue bloods of the NFL. They're the teams that have great fan bases and are very well run. But even those teams have moments in time where, uh, you know, they go back and have some really rough years. I mean, I think you're going to see that in New England if they don't get the quarterback situation right. So Pittsburgh has a lot of questions uh, and, and not so many answers right now. And, and they really need to uh, make a plan here because uh, the Browns are not going to gonna, gonna uh, fall off off the map. They're, they are not going to disintegrate. They got a good thing going. I think Kevin Stefanski is the right guy. Baker Mayfield is starting to play uh, championship level football. He's starting to be what well, you know, it's one of my favorite words on this program. Consistent. He's starting to be consistent. The defense is humming. I mean, the, they got one of the best, most underrated running games Cleveland has. And now they're going to the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, up in Kansas City or down in Kansas City from Cleveland. That's going to be a great matchup. Do I think Kansas City's better and will win the game? Yes, I do. But it's an intriguing matchup. Because if if Cleveland can play some good defense and run the football, keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hand, hands, who knows? Who knows what Cleveland can do? I didn't expect them, anticipate them to do what they did on Sunday night. I don't think anybody did. I didn't think anybody. I don't think anybody did. All I know is we have uh, two Final Four matchups: the Final Four teams in the AFC, Final Four teams in the NFC. I am ecstatic. I'm excited about it. Uh, a lot of storylines, a lot of intriguing matchups uh, next weekend. Um, the Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers in a very cold environment in Lambeau Field Saturday night. Speaking of more cold, uh, Baltimore at Buffalo. Two young quarterbacks going up against each other with two very similar teams. Uh, Sunday afternoon, we have the uh, Browns at the Chiefs, the defending champs against the team that you know has a history of uh, losing in the playoffs if they get there, and uh, they are the hottest team in the league, we'll say right now, after the performance uh, from this previous weekend. And then to, to top it all off, the coup de grace. The, the the cherry on top, if you will, Tom Brady against Drew Brees next Sunday afternoon. I, I, <laughs> fellas, start sweeping the floor, start uh, you know cutting the grass, get all that stuff done early, because there's only four games next weekend, two and two, but man, they're gonna be good. Oh, they're gonna be good. I I, I hope and pray if the Rams can pull off the upset over Green Bay, my weekend will be completed and knowing that I have three still amazing games to watch still. Uh, it, it's just going to be so exciting. I, I can't wait. Let, let's get through this work week right now. I, I got to get out of here right now so I can get to work early, maybe get off early. I don't know. I gotta, I'm just all wired and fired up now. I probably only have a week left of Rams football to talk about, but there'll be plenty to talk about next week at the end of the playoff uh, divisional round. And next week should have Sam Hersema back to discuss all of this stuff with. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, guys, what a weekend of football. Um, I mean, I can't say enough about it. The NFL playoffs, they they got through it. They added this extra team. I love the format, seven teams in each in each conference. I think that's the way to go in moving forward. So uh, I need another refill of coffee. I need another refill. So uh, let me go grab another one here, and then we will come back to wrap up today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, it's been quite the Monday morning with many cups of coffee after a fun weekend. You know, sometimes, I don't know, it feels like a fast weekend, but also a short weekend if you catch my drift. Like just having the one day off was kind of weird, uh, but did get off early Saturday night and was able to watch some of the night game there on the uh, for the NFL playoffs. So, oh man, sorry to get this episode out a little later, but hey, uh, getting one out is, is better than not having one at all. 
And I hope you enjoyed hearing my thoughts on the breakdown of the matchups uh, or the results, really, from the NFL weekend of playoff football. Uh, Looking forward to doing it again next week. A big thank you to Paul Clark, by the way, from our show on Friday. He and I made our predictions of the games. We were both right. We were both wrong. I will say that I'm looking forward to Paul buying me that In-N-Out uh, meal, In-N-Out burger meal we talked about. And uh, man, that, that the score went went right to what we, <laughs> right to the number we thought it would be. And I appreciate you giving me all those points, Paul. That was uh, much appreciated. Looking forward to that free In-N-Out burger and animal fries and shake. It's going to be very, very exciting. Anyway, guys, that will wrap up today's uh, episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening. I know it was kind of random and just kind of thrown together, but hey, that happens sometimes. Looking forward to the football game tonight between Alabama and Ohio State. I think Alabama will win yet another national championship. I do think uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes will play Ohio inspire, uh, playoff-inspired football, if you will, looking at the Cleveland Browns from Sunday night, maybe taking a page out of their playbook and making the game uh, closer, maybe even leading for a good portion of it. Could the Buckeyes win a national title? Why, yes, they could. I think they're up against a very difficult team to beat in Alabama. Alabama Crimson Tide going to be quite a matchup tonight uh, in, where is it, Miami, I believe, uh, the College Football National Championship game. Uh, two great programs and uh, two good coaches. There's just a lot of storylines there. I got to head off and get to work right now so that I can uh, get home and watch that game recorded, of course, on uh, on uh, in my room late at night after it's already happened. But I will have some comments about that game, the results of the national championship on Wednesday with Bill Barnes. We should be recording again on Tuesday. So if you have any questions or anything for Bill, uh, be sure to send that in uh, Tuesday morning, preferably. Uh, or today, you know, that's probably the best time to uh, make sure that those questions uh, and discussions get addressed. So thank you all in advance for listening and for sending in those questions and content suggestions. As of now, guys, the Get Home Safe podcast still has Facebook pages and Twitter handles and Instagram accounts. As of now, that could all change. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm, I'm being honest that uh, we might deactivate some of those things pretty soon because I'm not sure we need them. I think the audience who listens to this podcast most of you get notifications anyway when new episodes come out. And if you uh, don't, or you know, maybe other people thrive off of seeing the episodes posted online or social media, you know, uh, maybe we'll just have to do a better job of finding other ways to promote the show. But for now, we're going to keep our social media. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our Email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. That one we will definitely keep. So send us some emails with your questions or content suggestions for sure. Um, As always, we appreciate the support. If you tell a friend or you know somebody that might find this podcast of interest, hey, tell them to, uh, to give us a listen. We would greatly appreciate it. Well, guys, happy Monday to everyone out there. Let's get through another work week here. I know I'm excited about starting a new week. I have this new schedule where I work. Uh, three days and you know have it i'm off thursdays and sundays now which is kind of weird but uh, i'm gonna embrace it i'm looking forward to getting through it all so that we can get to the weekend for some more playoff football what a time of year it is guys thank you for joining me today appreciate your listenership happy work week happy uh future football uh, watching if you will hope you will join us on wednesday for our weekly segment with bill barnes on the weekly wednesday weigh in and guys of course as no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe